Hello, hello, Long Island Gaming League. This is your boy Bruno. Uh, riding solo today. Um, trying to keep up with the rhythm that we've been going on. Uh, I know you guys are missing us, and trust me, we've been missing you guys too. Um, today I am accompanied by Dan. Uh, he is um, a part of actually a new company that has uh, partnered with us um, that I will actually let him, you know, give a little bit of his introduction and I hope you guys give him a warm welcome like we always do our guests. Dan, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks so much for having me, Bruno. Um, yeah, I'm with the Massapequa Tutor and I'm so excited to start working with uh, the Long Island Gaming League to, you know, kind of show people the intersection between gaming and education. Yes, I, you know, we're very excited too, especially because that is something that um, us at the Long Island Gaming League actually uh, preach a lot, and that is actually, although we all call we are called the Long Island Gaming League, but we try to uh, have that at the base of everything that we do. Um, so to start off the conversation, uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself and uh, and your gaming background actually mm -hmm. yeah so uh, i'm long island born and raised uh, i'm from massapequa park and with respect to my gaming experience um and my gaming history I, I began at a very young age i don't know if you consider this a game but um i was a big leapster guy and as a pre as a preschooler um the educational games um and then i got my first gaming console in kindergarten i distinctly remember um going to best buy with my family to get a game boy advanced sp the little flip one and that really started everything. Um, my first game was uh, the SpongeBob movie game for that Game Boy. Um, did a little PC gaming, uh, Minecraft, obviously. And I spent a lot of my time in elementary school and middle school really uh, on the Call of Duty series. Um, MW3 was my first Call of Duty. I loved playing zombies on Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2. Um, also a huge fan of the Pokemon series. I started off with Diamond and Pearl. I got Platinum, Soul Silver, um, all of those, as well as Madden, Madden 13 in particular. I was a huge Ultimate Team um, player in the eighth grade, and I would literally spend all day trading and, and pretty much trying to scheme the, the markets of, of, those, of those cards in the game as much as possible, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I, I've dabbled in Fortnite um, in high school. Didn't really have much time to get into it, but uh, the updates are so much to keep track of. So every time I get, I log on every couple of months, it's like a brand new game, which is really fascinating. Well, it sounds like you're a little bit all over the place, which is very good. Um, I like to preach a little bit about, you know, the, you know, like gaming, like you were saying, you don't know if I, if I consider that gaming. I mean, I'm 36 years old. My first approach to gaming was probably an Atari. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a classic, a classic. Exactly. So, and and this was at a time that there was nothing known as gaming. It was just literally just, you know, arcades, and this was the first thing that came out. So, I mean, I I like to say, you know, gaming is not just what you see on the TV and competitive. Gaming is everything that you can do uh, with. Uh, in the case of what we work in, anything electronic-wise, your phone, even those cheap Chinese games. That, to me, anything you know, electronic-wise is gaming. But I mean, 
That's a good point. I, 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 there's a lot of other games I guess I play then. Um, as a kid, we had a, actually uh, an arcade game that plugged into your TV. So it was pretty much a controller that you literally plugged into like the audio and, video and, and visual of your TV that let you play Pac-Man. Um, I played that a lot as a kid. Um, I, didn't, I, forgot, I forgot even about phone games. You know, I was a big Clash of Clans gamer, um, big mm. Angry Birds guy in elementary school. So okay. I guess my, my game in Horizon is a lot more broader than I thought it was. Um, but those were two that really came to mind that I forgot about. And also the, the Nintendo series. You know, I yeah. still love playing Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, um, two of my favorites still to this day. Well, Smash Bros. right now is huge with the Switch. That's Smash actually Bros. Ultimate. Yes, sir. That's Dennis. What's up, brother? What's going on, guys? What's going on? Not, Not much. much. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, quite quite busy, but it's good that we're all here. So, you know, definitely remember the old Atari days and the uh, oh yes, you know, Smash Bros. Ultimate. Played it for the first time, become a butt spank. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, you I still, I still do get my butts to bank. I still get to, I still do get my butts bank. So no worries there. <laughs> and you would talk about Clash of Clans. Clash of Clans is actually something extremely huge. Also, you see that on TV. It's an international championships and stuff like that too. So mm-hmm. you know, it's really yes. Oh yes. Now, Clash of Clans. That's when you build. Is that like it's, mini armies and like? It, it's like what it, is that? you remember. Um, there used to be a game called Age of Empires. Where you build your own civilizations and it's you go to ex- war with other people? Yes, sir. It's exactly the same basis, but it's more like minions and, and monsters and goblins and stuff like that. But it's, a, it's around the same basis. Wow. That's a, I didn't even know that was a competition. Like, I've, I've seen it. Um, it's almost like what? When they, when they came out with the Game of Thrones game, right? Is it built off of that same premise? No, that was way before. Way before. Oh, oh okay. It, okay. They, uh, that was like the first, and then they came out with Clash of Heroes, which was like a little yeah, bit like, the sequel to it. Yeah, it's it's become a big thing, but it's mobile. It's all it's always on the phone. Mobile's really huge right now, that's for sure. Oh yes, it is. So, but uh, so yeah, so I mean, I know I'm tuning in. Uh, I do have a question, and I don't know if Bruno uh, might have tapped into this, but the question when it comes to um, gamers education and the future of that have we have we uh touched on that uh not yet no sir no um, sir we had just uh actually had just started um so we're good with that oh, you can throw oh, out okay. that question yeah so i guess you know again proposing the, the question is east like you know tutoring and education has always been around uh but now with with esports from what we've seen is it's kind of been it's been looked at as a distraction, right? But how do mm-hmm. you kind of feel that that works well together between esports and tutoring in this day and age with like a lot of the kids that are kind of like either quote unquote gamers? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, very good point. In particular, um, calling it a distraction, I think that the paradigm has shifted a lot. Where uh, with competitive gaming, it, it's not not as much a distraction as much as it is a profession and um there's so you see a lot of people being able to monetize their talents like um a 16 year old that won the Fortnite championships and and pocketed three million dollars um so it's it's very lucrative and um it's something that people can do full-time you know like people like ninja who literally game full-time and that's their their living and that's their full-time job building their personal brand and their channel um 
So it, it really has shifted from a distraction to a profession. And on the amateur, and the amateur level, um, that leads to a lot more educational outcomes. And the best analogy I can think of is like physical sports. Um, people probably thought when people first were throwing around a football, that that's a distraction. But then when it developed into a full league, um, it became a profession and it became something that kind of lifted people up in the sense that, you know, there were schools that were recruit, would recruit you and, and give you thousands of dollars a, a year in scholarship money to play. And it allows students to sort of capitalize on their talents and um, have outcomes in higher education and beyond. I mean, yeah, it's funny you talk about that, about the throwing around the football. I mean, basically every sport that has ever been invented started out like in a backyard game or a made-up thing or even board games. Everything is like out of the imagination and it grows into, you know, Monopoly and NFLs and stuff like that. Same thing with gaming. The way I see it, it's like, you know, you have people behind it that create games. They have you have somebody that has an idea like, oh, I want to make this. And, you know, they learn coding and they learn graphics and it's the same exact thing. And then, you know, sometimes they have success, sometimes they don't and blows up to something big or just fizzles out. And it's like, you know, back to the drawing board. It's sports and gaming have, the way I see it, so much in common, a lot more in common than people actually, mm -hmm. you know, give credit for, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what's interesting is how you mentioned um, uh, coding. And um, what, I, what I find interesting is how, you know, gamers can really shape the gaming community. Um, uh, it's not as analogous in sports. Like you don't find football players making the new football or, or redesigning the sport. But you see, you know, gamers making like custom maps and actually having agency over how the game is played, which I find to be really cool. And in fact, many of those people, you know, have opportunities professionally to be like software developers and, you know, start their own games or start their own league. And I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities that come from that. Uh, that that's like a, that was actually a really good point because I, I've never really looked at it from that perspective because, I mean essentially as we continue to move forward in this digital realm uh, these quote-unquote gamers or students are literally building their own world that they're essentially going to live in because you know gaming right now it's like you know we play games but virtual reality and technology is slowly but surely seeping its way into our lives and it's changing our lives so i think that you know, that analogy or just the kind of the points you bring where it comes to football, like they're not making the football, they're just playing it. But uh, a lot of these gamers are creating the world that they're going to live in, you know, 20, 30 years from now, just from this simple concept of playing a video game because they can create that world. That's really cool. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you football, it's more like, yeah, you have the people that, you probably have physics and engineering that invent the football, but they're going through, yeah, let me see how this game is going. The ball doesn't rotate. Let me try aerodynamics. Game, video games is more, it's a lot feedback because unfortunately mm -hmm. a lot of the people that do play don't have the computer technology education behind it that they can create it. But so from those type of people, you get the feedback, but I mean, from all the programmers and everybody that makes the game, I guarantee you 100% of them are all gamers. I mean, these companies that create these games also pay people to try out games. So you have gamers trying out games. It, mm -hmm. it, it, 
that's that's that that's another big thing I see about it. It's gaming is made by the gamer. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, football, it's not the the players just play. They don't. Yeah, it's relatively constant. Yes. Um, the culture is interesting too, since uh, games change over time. And the best example I can think of is probably Call of Duty. How you know you have your typical types of gameplay like team deathmatch and search and destroy, but then there's right. a lot of sort of uh, gameplays that originate in the community. So, for example, um, the one where you kind of start off with one person infected, and then you start killing other people who join yes. your team. It's actually um, called infected. That, yes. Yeah. Um, that 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 was not originally a, mo- a mode you could play in multiplayer, but one that started off in private match, and then everyone just loved it. So COD was like, "Yeah, we're going to make this a multiplayer game." So it kind of shows how, how much input the community has. That actually came before COD came out. That actually, and funny thing it is, and Dennis will recognize it. That actually came from Counter Strike. Oh no way! Uh-huh. From back in the day. From probably, I'd say, about the early 90s when I used to play, you know, you used to have the normal rooms that have, you know, team deathmatch, catch the flag, stuff like that. But then you had the ones that were custom. And that was actually something that you started seeing at the time was you would, instead of being, it used to be called infected, but it was like the infected were just walking around with knives and they would have to knife you and you would kill them like if it was a zombie. And all these other games started growing from there that's where you got like you said the infected maps uh zombie modes all that mm-hmm. stuff so it's, it was a it, huge i was a huge call of duty zombies fan so many good times with that game yeah, so it's like you say it it, it comes it comes from somebody's idea of yeah no let me make this for fun and now 20 years later it still comes out in modern games football it's always been the same i mean there's little tweaks like you say it's baseball little tweaks this and that gaming you have things that you know they adapt and they make it bigger and they make it more in the case that case infected more scarier more zombie more this more that it's gaming is just there's no i don't see no limit for what it could be mm-hmm. no agreed oh um, yeah so dad i guess i have a question for you uh, if you could if you could think of anything would you say there's any, or could there possibly be parallels between dedication of maybe a, a, a child or a student playing esports, as well as a dedication to a child who may be being tutored? Would you say there's any parallels or cross-references, or are they like total polar opposites? I would say there's definitely um, some intersections. Uh, uh, the way to think of it is, I, I mean, I know, I know there's coaches for, for esports teams, and I think of my job as a tutor in my team to really be coaches in the sense that, you know, we, we not only give the kids the facts, but we have to motivate them to, to do well academically. And it's really not, not just a job of exchanging information, but also one of motivation. So um, there's definitely a lot of um, uh, parallels there. But also, um, I think that a lot of the traits that good students have are also translatable into gaming. Um, you know, being a good communicator since, you know, uh, most of the games that are played are often multiplayer and that's why there's esports teams and not just esports individuals. Um, so I think a team, uh, a, a team mindset is, is a good, uh, a good skill. Um, also, uh, you know, having discipline since, you know, you are practicing hours each day, just like any other sport. And that's something that um, people respect highly of athletes and thus should be respected highly of esports players. So th- those are just a couple that come to mind. I mean, no, those were like actually great examples. And, you know, exactly. a lot of parents, uh, principals, teachers, a lot of people listen to our podcast. And I think it was very important that they really actually heard what you said. And 
and kind of just to, you know, maybe not take away from your words, but to, to translate it in, in, a, in a different way is as a teacher, as a parent who's listening right now, if your child is dedicated to playing that video game, tweak their interest. They could just be just as dedicated to working with a tutor to get better grades because there is that similarity of the dedication they're putting into the game and the dedication that they could also, with the proper guidance and structure, could put into working with the tutor to become better students. So I think it was just a great parallel that you brought to that. But I just right. wanted to make sure that that's really highlighted because there's a synergy in that. And it's a very important synergy that should be capitalized at this very time and moment and not necessarily separated from we want the kids to do what they love, which may be playing video games, but we also want them to be well-rounded, educated students. And when you have that parallel in the middle, that the dedication to either or can be beneficial, why not blend the two together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the synergy is, is uh, very profound. Um, where, it, you know, if you have both good grades and you're a good student and you're also a good player, the options are really endless. And it's just like any other sport where if you're a good student and you're a good athlete, then you can effectively get into any school. Um, if you have one and not the other, the outcomes are a lot less, but um, they're definitely very much synergistic. And it's a lot, it's a very much uh, a one plus one equals 11 sort of scenario. Now let me ask you this, being that you work in the tutoring and in the edu- more the educating side, do you come across a lot of uh, okay gamers or kids that you know that do play a lot of games that you would notice um like for example in school that they 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 do better you know in certain areas because of the gaming like because of 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 like like one thing that we we've heard multiple times is like people that play games they're they're, they're more they're more they they can understand more complicated uh uh problems figure them out in math and stuff like that. do you notice that a lot um in kids that you have uh not entirely but um to be fair i haven't really worked with any like esports competitive gamers uh the closest i got was um one of my clients uh did some competition for the big fortnite tournament they didn't qualify for the tournament but they're a very good fortnite player from what they tell me um but a lot of the people I work with um, that I know do vi- that, that I know play video games are mainly just recreational players. Um, but I'm not, I haven't really, you know, did, did that much of a, a, a of an analysis to see. But I imagine that there definitely are some overlaps in, in the skills and and how uh, gaming translates into education. But uh, I haven't seen it yet. But I, I think it's definitely possible. Oh, okay. So that's pretty cool. So you you study with your tutor first, and then you play your video games afterwards. So win win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the goal. I mean, even if you just use it like for to to, to decompress from the everyday, you know, if you for those 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes that you play, your mind, you know, you can take your mind away from your more serious stuff and calm yourself down. I I could say for my pers- my personal self when I was playing uh, when I was younger that I, it helped me a lot in school, especially with the stress of the everyday of, of you know, you got to get your grades up and stuff like that. You know, that little that little half hour, one hour of shooting other people in the head actually relieved the stress. Very, very cathartic. <laughs> but it's um, true, though, unfortunately. Yeah. The, the problem I've noticed um, being in those shoes and, and doing just that is that many people sort of expand that to over an hour. And there's people who, may, who kind of 
don't have their priorities in the right place and they focus not enough time on academics and too much time blowing off steam at their Xbox or PlayStation. And it's all about a balance and making sure your priorities are in the right place. Exactly. It's all about, you know, you have your time, but you have your limits. You can't pass that limit or else then it's going to start. Like, like we preach the whole, um, we, we speak about, you know, Play your games, but don't let it affect your personal life. Don't let it affect your life with your family, with your friends, with your, with your everyday job. Even I consider studying a job, but you know, it, sometimes it also what's what's too much is not too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so Dan, I, I do have another question for you, and um, you know, again, we're we're all experiencing this this esports boom, so to speak. Uh, do you feel or do you think that uh, the type of service that you offer is more important now than it has ever been before, considering that some parents or teachers could possibly see gaming as a distraction and they're extremely afraid of and they don't know what to do? Uh, um, yeah. Know, so. uh, of course, it's especially important. Um, and I, I, will, I will kind of go back to what I was saying about outcomes before where, you know, if your child is is very passionate about gaming and they're, and they're good at it and you think that they can have a future in it, i.e. Comp- competing in college, you want to make sure that they have the best outcomes come senior year. And the best way to do that is by maximizing, say, their SAT and their ACT score and any other exams that come along the way. And let's say they want to start a career in esports. You want to make sure that their academics don't slide in the wrong direction as a result. So, um, yeah, it's definitely very important at this time. No, I, and like I said, I, I just like how you're hitting all the points because you, you are the, uh, the content expert, you know, in that area. And as much as we are an esports league, we're – about esports, we care so much more about education. That's why we're really glad to have you on the show because you can kind of speak to things that we may not be able to articulate, but we do care so much that it's very important. And we were kind of like the precursor to saying, hey, listen, if we're able to capture their attention by structuring their gameplay, then Massapequa Tutors is able to kind of facilitate that after the ball or the torch has been passed. So not only are they structured gamers and get a better idea of the industry that they're in, but in high school or on to college, they can kind of be passed to you and you you guys are really able to take it to that next level. So it's kind of like it's a good balance, right? The students love us. The parents love you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, def- definitely. And, and, you know, at the, at the Mass Pequa Tutor, we really take pride in being relatable and engaging. And, you know, a lot, a lot of our tutors, myself included, play a lot of the games that these gamers do. So we can definitely, you know, really connect with them and tie their interests into what they're learning, which I think will make their um, educational experience that much better. And we're looking to expand into a lot of skills, which I think uh, both gamers and the general population can benef- benefit from. So we're looking to host something related to coding in the near future. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, if you play video games, you're more inclined to be interested in computer science. Um, likewise, public speaking. I think that if you're a gamer, uh, communication is very important, especially for team games. Um, and and uh, obviously our bread and butter, like our test prep and our subject tutoring. So, um, yeah, I think that it's it's like kind of like exactly what you said, um, tying those interests together and making sure that we, they're a well-rounded person, both um, a good gamer and a good student. 
I mean, it makes total sense, of course. Just out of curiosity, um, you work with kids, just so everybody has an idea. I don't want people thinking we're talking about you, you tutor just college kids or stuff like What's the age group normally that your company works with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our team works with uh, students K through 12. Um, we have three, uh, four, actually, yeah, four, uh, four main branches of services. We have subject tutoring, so that's all your classwork, you know, algebra, geometry, um, Spanish, um, English, all of those. We do test prep, so for the ACT, the SAT, AP exams, SAT2s, everything in between. And then we also offer college admissions consulting, so working on your college essays, helping you select schools, helping you strategize on your application. Uh, and then we offer group classes to offer to make all of our individual services that I just mentioned as accessible as possible. Um, so that, that kind of sums us up. And we work mainly K through 12. Um, a lot of our our, our, our our students are on Long Island, but we work all over. Since due to the beauty of technology and Skype and FaceTime, we can work with clients pretty much across the globe, and and that's fantastic. Um, and our team is pretty much from Long Island, and, and they're all the top students of Long Island. So, you know, your student will be working with a, a fellow student that they can relate to who um, knows the material well and can make it engaging as well. Uh, that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, like you said, it's probably like a competitive advantage because, you know, there, there are other tutor companies or whatever. But let's just say some of those tutor companies are kind of like me when it comes to gaming. I'm a little outdated, right? But, you know, for, for you guys to, to have that freshness that used to be educated, you're kind of in the game. Like, you know, you guys are students. You're so you practice what you preach, which that relativeness to be able to speak to your, uh, your clientele, I think is really a huge competitive advantage because, you know, if I was a parent, you know, I, I, if I'm not, but Bruno may be, may be able to, to talk about this. If, you know, you're going to have your kid uh, you know, you're going to work with a tutor, you're going to pay for a tutor. You want to make sure your kid's actually going to do it. And sometimes just from working with kids myself, just from the league, they can disconnect from somebody they can't relate to. So mm -hmm. I think that's a huge competitive advantage that one, you have the youth, your, your team and your company has the knowledge um, not only to relate to them, but like you said, they know about esports. That's kind of like a perfect shoe in. It's a straight liner to you can speak to any student at any grade level. You mentioned video games and you got their ear and you could just yep. guide them the rest of the way. So that's a huge competitive mm -hmm. advantage that you guys have. Yeah, you, you, I couldn't have said it better myself, Dennis. Um, yeah, the real distinguishing factor that I think sets us apart is our people. And given that our tutors are young and relatable, um, you know, they're able to you know, have a good relationship with our students and kind of talk about those things where say the average um, tutor, and most tutors are typically teachers who work after school or, or adults who are a bit more established with master's degrees, they may not be able to connect on that same level and, and know the same video games that are currently being played. For example, if you're uh, working with an esports player and, and also um, that allows us, like you said, to kind of uh, keep up to date with what's going on, both not only in the gaming community and, you know, in, in teen pop culture, but also with our, our curriculum. So, you know, we have, we have students who literally just took the class and mastered it. So they know all, they know all the nuances of the curriculum and, and perhaps they even work with the same teacher you have. So um, the pe our people are really what sets us, set us apart in that sense. And, and deriving from that, you know, obviously we have a very good price point and we're very flexible given that um, 
you know, we're available seven days a week and, and that'll come from our people. You know, we have great motivated tutors and I only, and I, I only hire the best. I only hire people that I would trust to replace myself in a tutoring session and holding people to such a high standard has, has uh, resulted in a lot of successful outcomes in our students. I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I, like, like one point that Dennis was saying, like the whole thing of, you know, when the conversation towards the kids, like, if they start considering the conversation or whatever, the topic that we're talking about being, you know, boring, they disconnect. Like, and I remember when I was in school, I remember the tactic that a lot of the teachers used, especially math and stuff like that. They would like math, for example, would make the problem, you know, instead of being apples and oranges, they would use something that we would relate to. Like in this case would be like, you have one player, two players, stuff like that. Like they would, and we would always be engaged instead of being, you know, like the whole entire, you know, vanilla conversation yeah you 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 lose total you lose the kids totally and then from there forward there's no way to get them back it's like you're saying you use actual students or 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 kids that were students not too long ago to tutor that i i I personally consider that a, a good way to you know keep the kids involved and keep the kids you know, their mindset and what they're doing because, you know, you're talking to somebody that's probably not much older than you that not too long ago was in the same situation than you. So they would, they understand, you know, the, the, the difficulties that you're going through or, you know, you have a difficulty more in this and they, they understand it more than like a teacher that has, you know, like a, uh, has the same, the same exact approach to every child towards a problem instead of these kids, which probably have, a different way to approach it and probably resolve it a little bit better and keep the kids involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, yeah, we I really, uh, you, you nailed it as well. Um, we, we try and keep it personal and uh, you know, being students, that's very achievable. And and one thing that kind of, that kind of came to mind when you talked about um, how teachers try to engage students is the fact that students have, lo- have such small attention spans. So you really need to keep them engaged by, you know, being as relatable as possible. And we, and we try and do that. And we also try and be a mentor, like you said, and kind of empathize with them since we were in their shoes not too long ago. And I think that that's something that, you know, our students really enjoy and benefit from. I mean, yeah, I mean, anything, anything, the way I see anything that the kids can benefit to get better at what they do, it helps. I mean, if it's to keep them the same, it's not even worth the bother, you know, it's just like everything else that's out there. So from what I see and, you know, from what I've been told and what I, what I know uh, that you, the master people tutors, they, they, they try, they, they do things in a different way that do keep the kids you know, involved and, you know, it, the kids are better in school because of that. And I know uh, I, I can guarantee the parents appreciate everything you guys do for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We, we love to hear back from our parents. Hey, Dan, I guess I have another question for you. So, um, and I don't know if we covered this, but, what what made you start your company? What 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 was your your reason for bringing such a great service, you know, to students? Why did you do it? And how did you have that vision? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it really started off uh, in, a, in a very much in a matter of fact basis. So back in 2016, when I was a high school junior, um, pretty much we got a call on our house phone, and it kind of went like this: Mrs. Hepworth, uh, we know your son. Dan is a very good student and our daughter needs some help in geometry. Uh, do you think he can tutor? So my mom told me about this call 
And initially, I was very hesitant. Um, I, I don't know if it comes across in the podcast, but I'm really a very shy and introverted person. Um, so, you know, meeting someone new and trying to instruct them seemed to be a very daunting task. Um, but I decided to give it a chance as I realized that, you know, I've really been doing this for a while. I was always the person in high school and middle school to help people out in the morning before their big test and answer their questions. So I really was tutoring in a very informal setting. I, I didn't really realize that until, you know, I was kind of doing it. Um, so I decided to take a chance and tutor this girl, and it ended up really being a win-win. You know, her grades improved. She enjoyed working with me. The parents loved me, and I enjoyed the work. So it kind of uh, spiraled from there, and they started spreading the word about me, telling their friends, telling their family. And I got a lot of uh, other parents and families working with me during my junior year, and it, I decided that, you know, I can really make something of this. So I, I started off uh, formalizing this with a Facebook and Instagram page. Um, then, then a year later, in 2018, um, it got to the point where I, I literally couldn't fit everyone in my schedule. Um, to give you a specific uh, time frame, in June of 2018, when I was a senior, uh, uh, I was helping a lot of kids with their final exams, and I was I was literally in the in the library eight hours a day, and I didn't have the time to eat eat a meal. I literally had to like eat, have a granola bar during a tutoring session just to stay satiated. And it got to the point where I need to bring other people onto this project to help out. And at that point, just from the amount of feedback I got. And the impact I've seen working with students, I realized that this could be something big and not just be a one-man show. So I brought other people on, um, and that kind of segues into when college started. And I realized that you know, a lot of our students still needed help, but not everyone could you know Skype me. And even if I could Skype everyone, uh, even if everyone wanted to Skype me, a lot of people love a lot of people prefer in-person tutoring. But even if I could Skype everyone feasibly, I didn't have the time in the day to do so. So I really brought a larger team on to expand our operations. Um, and that started off during the freshman year of, of school. And from that, pretty much, um, we, we grew uh, pretty large. Uh, we, we made a website to even more formalize our efforts. And then uh, going into this year, I decided to sort of optimize uh, what we do. So I brought on a management team of a chief operating officer, a chief strategy officer, a chief technology officer, and a chief marketing officer. So we can sort of um, do things more effectively at the top level. And, um, you know, now we've grown uh, a lot since with a team of 20 tutors. And that, that's something I'm really proud of. And I, I hope to continue growing. So that, that's kind of a, a small summary of our, our growth story. Very good. And us from our side, I can say in the name of everybody, we really hope that you and your company grow bigger and bigger. Um, and always upwards, never down. As long as things go up, it's always good. Um, do you have, I mean, any last things, you know, to, you, you, the stage is open for you. If you want to talk towards our kids and especially towards the parents that listen to us now, um, stage is yours. If you want to say anything, uh, that we forgot uh, this question. I, I guess to wrap up, um, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn. Uh, I'm sure you guys will drop my handles and whatnot, my social media, but the, I guess the one message I want to end off on is kind of rethink gaming. I think that a lot of parents and educators and, and people in school boards still have these stigmas that gaming is for uh, lazy students and that it's at the conflict of, of academics, but really it's at the complement of academics and really the, the two go hand in hand nowadays with the, the amount of uh, professionalism and uh, business that is going into the esports industry and how it's a growing competitive industry where it goes from, like you said, a distraction earlier to a profession. So I just want to say, you know, kind of challenge your, challenge your thinking and, and rethink the role gaming plays in our lives because it's going to change rapidly. It already is. And it's going to look very different in a couple of years. I mean, you, you, you actually hit it right on the nail with the whole 
you know, it's like you're, you're, you're touching the point of gaming being, cons- you know, had that stigma of bad and lazy and, and slackers and, and being that that's an old Testament way of seeing it and things have changed so much. So, I mean, I, us, me as a gamer and also me as a part of the Long Island Gaming League and I, I, I really, the way I seeing that coming from somebody that's from the, edu- you know, the educational background and, and not so much the gaming, but the actual, you know, studies in school, you saying something like that, 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 that to me, it, as a gamer means a lot, especially because I'm a, I'm a father and, you know, I, I'm a gamer. I have a different way of seeing it, but other parents that never were gamers, they might have a different way of seeing it coming from somebody in the, you know, school background that it, it actually means a lot. And, and towards what we preach, it actually gives more power to what we try to do with the kids. Um, you know, from, from our side, I really appreciate, you know, your words. And I also appreciate uh, you coming on with us. Um, hopefully in the future, we can, you know, have another session and, uh, you know, maybe have another deep conversation, maybe, you know, find out new stuff about your company. Uh, maybe you could come on and say that, you know, Master Pico Tutors has just become a, a multi-state or multi-country uh, tutor system, which we really hope, you know, that mm-hmm. you guys really do grow to that point. Um, and uh, like I said, from my part and from part of, uh, of Dennis, um, we appreciate you very much for coming on uh, to the podcast with us. Um, and thank you as being owner of Master Pico Tutors to partner with us uh, in this journey that we started and hopefully it'll keep on going for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again, Bruno. You know, I'm super excited for where this is going to go and we're only at the very start of this ride. So, um, yeah, buckle up and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the future of esports and I'm, I'm sure the Master Pico Tutor will be at a pivotal part of um, the intersection of education and esports. And we hope so too. Um, there you go, folks. Uh, this is uh, Bruno uh, from the Long Island G- Gaming League. Uh, Dennis also um, with our uh, with Dan from Massapequa Tutors. Um, hope to see you guys around pretty soon. Uh, we'll try not to be far from you guys for a long time, and hopefully soon we'll put out more content for you. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Peace out.